0: Hey, everyone. The Revoice Conference is coming up very quickly, October 6th through the 8th. On the night of October 6th, we will be doing a live recording of our season finale, the whole Life on Side B co-host team, right after our very own Elizabeth speaks at the opening session of Revoice. We are super excited. It's going to be a great time. If you are going to Revoice Please come and join us after the main session at night, um, and we will have a good old time finishing out this season. Also, if you're going to be at Revoice, we are going to have some uh, special merch that we will have for sale that will only be available at Revoice. So it's going to be a really great time. Come join us. We can't wait to see you.
1: It's Elizabeth. Life on Side B is a ministry of Posture Shift, a missiological ministry equipping churches to enhance LGBTQ plus inclusion and care. You can learn more about their work at postureshift.com. We want to thank all of our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, consider being a patron at patreon.com slash lifeonsideb.
2: And now on to the episode.
0: Hi, hello family, hello friends, welcome back to Life on Side B. I'm here with Henry and Grant. Hello, boys. Hello. hello. We were talking right before this. I think this is the first one the three of us have done together. Like the boys together, the boys co-host, the, Just, the, you the know. boys. Yeah, that crack sounds so easy. mask
2: cracking <laughs> a. It conversation
0: does sound open. very masculine the for boys. the three of us. Okay.
2: the The three male codes yes um Um, i had a friend who like hated when i'd say hey boys and he would be like i'm a man do not call me a boy like he would like go (laughs) off about it i'm like okay fragile masculinity but go off
3: (laughs) okay girl (laughs) okay
2: Okay. (laughs) damn i should have done that okay no. Oh, that would have been funny. That would have been that would have been silly. Oh my gosh!
0: It's like okay, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's the three of us here, and we are joined by the wonderful Kristen. Oh my gosh. Okay, I should have asked about your last name beforehand, Kristen uh, Kom- Komarniki. Komarniki.
1: Komarniki.
0: Komarniki. Okay, Komar Nikki. Yeah. I just realized I've I've never actually said your last name before. I, yeah, so it's so pronounced sorry.
1: exactly how it looks. Komar Nikki. And Komar Nikki. It, okay, for some reason yeah. it stumps people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, you know, through we're in our theme of resilience this season. Um, talking about resilience as queer people, as Christians. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been doing, um, there's three times when our patrons get to choose the topic, we give them four topics that they get to choose from. And for our last one, they picked this one. Um, And we're going to talk about relationships across beliefs, across ideological spectrums, all of these things. How do we have resilience in our relationships when we don't agree? Yeah. Um, So we're really glad to have you here. Um, I know we're going to talk about oriented to love, you know, throughout this, throughout this whole thing. But I, we had thought it would be good for Henry Grant and I to be in it because we're the three co-hosts who have gone through oriented to love. but
2: you said gone through it like it was a whole struggle. We made it. We of participated. We have yeah. participated. Yes. We participated. Um, yeah. yes,
0: there we go. Um, every word counts. Every word counts. That's what I'm trying to embody. <laughs> um, well, Kristen, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you'd like to um, share, as well as some of your journey in this conversation of faith, sexuality, gender, all of that?
1: Sure. Uh a little bit about myself and this journey. Right. You want mm-hmm. you want yeah. myself in in, te- in in the context of this journey. Yeah. Okay. Um well, I feel like as a woman who got married and then raised three boys, my life has been all about faith, sexuality, and gender. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that uh Navigating relationships as a young adult, um navigating a marriage uh intimacy, the demands of family life, raising these three little creatures who were so different from me in mm-hmm. so many ways, mm-hmm. these three boys uh, asking myself, what does it mean to be a man in the world? What does it mean to be uh a mother of boys? I mean there was just my my feels like my whole adult life was mm-hmm. swirling with these questions. Um And then, in about um i don 't know two thousand maybe fifteen years ago, I actually started researching um pornography and 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 doing some pornography education, looking at what pornography was, and seeing that the vast majority was of it was exploitation and about domination about using other mm. people, so that kind of sent me into in many ways, like a dark tunnel. Um, I had two boys coming up on teenagehood at the time Mm. and just started wondering like, and and also it sort of turned the light back on me as a young woman. And I thought, wow, why did I make the decisions I made in relationships? Why Mm. did, you know, what kind of agency was I Mm. exercising and why was that? And what was I raised to think about myself and how did I treat myself? And it just really started bringing up a lot of questions about, um, sexuality about how we love people the how we use people and then you know the context of raising boys so that sent me on one sort of journey and um then a few years after that um my boss handed me an, an article that I was so I was an editor of the, our magazine the magazine for Christians for social action the mm-hmm. organization I've been with for 23 years 24 years wow. um He said, Here, this is an article for the next issue. And I read it, and it was about why we were against gay marriage. And theologically, there was no news flash in there. You know, evangelical organization comes out against gay marriage, right? There was no, there there didn't feel like there was any news value. But so I had a couple of reactions, but I think the deepest one was, Wow, we're a bunch of straight people
3: Hmm. on
1: staff here, and we're talking about how gay people should or shouldn't live. And Hmm. it just didn't sit right with me. So at a staff meeting, I said that and i said you know at the very least we should convene some kind of dialogue so we can get to know the people we're talking about and at the time honestly i knew one gay person from my college years i had no relationships with gay or any sexual minorities at all or gender uh, and uh so everybody sort of like cocked their heads and thought, well, that's a sensible thing. She just said, and then my boss said, uh, why don't you put something like that together? And I thought, uh, well, you know, I have three children. I'm homeschooling. I have this full-time job. I was a crazy person at the time. Wow. And, uh, I'm sorry to, I shouldn't, I'm trying not to use the word crazy, um, in my, in my vocabulary anymore in that way. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was, it was not a very sensible, um, period of my life. I was yeah. over-functioning big mm-hmm. time. And, uh, So he said, you know, take your time, put it together. And the problem was I was intrigued by the idea. Uh, What would happen if we had (laughs) an intimately sized group with people across the spectrum, theologically, sexually, gender, et cetera. And it was a safe place for people to ask all the questions because people are intensely curious about each other, whether theologically or sexually or, you know, and what would happen if we created this space? And what would that do to the dialogue in the church? And so I was intrigued and I did, I put it together. First group was Mm handpicked and uh, something really special happened over that weekend. And I thought, Hmm, Oh, there's something, there's something going on here. And you know, it's a long story, but that eventually did a second one and then multiple ones. And I'm right now preparing my 29th group.
3: Oh my
2: gosh. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) What year was the first one?
1: The first one was 2010 or 2011. I honestly can't
3: remember. Yeah. Mm. You know, one of the things that you said um, really struck me uh, when um, people cocked their head and said, that's a sensible thing she just said. You would be surprised at how many people (laughs) haven't gotten there.
2: Like,
3: listen to to the people we're talking about. Yeah, like... That, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful, um, thankful that you said that and thankful that they responded in that way. That's, mm. that's incredible. Mm.
2: That's so yeah. funny, Grant. That's so true. Let's <laughs> yeah. write think pieces and have seminars about people that we don't engage with. Yeah. So yeah, sure. very smart.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's, oh, go ahead. No, you go. Nope. You, you're. I didn't you're have right. anything. Go you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that that was like, I did my oriented to, love. I I, like went through an oriented to love retreat or like weekend. Mm Uh, when was it, Kristen? Was it January?
1: It was January of this year. That's
0: right. That's right. It was January. And it was a really, really amazing experience. I had a really good time. Um, and I think it was very much a growing process for me of, you know, how to have some of these conversations um, when you're, like, having these, you know, uh, being able to take tools and things that I could apply to relationships back yeah. at home when I'm engaging and building relationships with people going, we don't agree, and we don't have to pretend like we agree. We don't agree, and that's fine, but being able to see the person of what led them to where they're at and all of these things. And so when we had this topic come up as a potential Thing for um, for the season, I could not think of anyone better to have yeah. in this conversation than you.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thinking back to my own experience, I went through Oriented to Love. I forgot when it was, but it wasn't during the pandemic. So it was virtual. Um, I was holed up in my room for a weekend. Um, I think you sent a, a gift package uh, with snacks and I was flying through those snacks I had to replenish um (laughs) but one of the things that I really loved about my experience was there were moments of like really surprising moments of agreements um between people who did not expect to agree so strongly Mm. I think there was one moment um when someone um said something about how like being a sexual minority or gender minority for them is not even about like not even primarily about sex. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I totally agree." And we had come from like completely opposite ends of the spectrum um on certain issues, but we had that one thing in common. It was really um surprising and encouraging. So I think it's really beautiful the kinds of things that can happen in these conversations. They don't magically fix all our disagreements or all our conflict or anything mm-hmm. like that, but um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's holy work. So, hmm.
1: well, I think, Grant, I think when we see each other as complex, nuanced human beings, instead of just one label, like, oh, you're progressive, oh, <laughs> he's <laughs> conservative or whatever, then that's beautiful. And then the, those, those, um, those stereotypes begin to dissolve. Like you never would have guessed that that person would have agreed with you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to be in the room when that happens, is just, that's just magical. Yeah. I love that.
2: For sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Kristen, the difficulty of putting on a virtual OTL, I'm just trying to imagine. Wow. I could not even imagine that.
1: Yeah. It, it was hard. It was really hard. And I resisted it for a good year and a half. But then I thought who knows when this is gonna who knows yeah. when this is gonna end. And uh, you know, in some ways it, it has some pluses because it, it was it, it meant that Grant could come because I've been inviting him for years now and yeah. he, his schedule <laughs> and his and his you know, his life didn't permit it. So there were some advantages, but uh what doesn't happen is that the deeper bonding yeah. among yeah. folks yeah. just because you can't do that and if you're not sharing the room.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, because there was a lot of amazing moments that I shared just when it's you like when you're eating dinner
2: or you're walking around. Uh, I would whatever, have loved so to have much. that. Yeah. yeah. You can do it again, Grant. Yes, you need to go again. Just trying to so, emote
3: through a video was was hard enough. I was like i like I was trying to be like empathetic and to like show that and I just kept nodding my head a lot, which like it doesn't it doesn't do enough. I don't know how
2: to Yeah anyway. Yeah. But,
3: Henry, you were going to say
2: something? No, when I went through, yeah, it was summer 19 or 18. I had my Honda.
1: 2019.
2: 19. Okay, that's when I went, yeah. And uh, I uh, picked up this guy who's also coming from Texas, a side B guy, um, Catholic guy. And so I was like, well, if he's going to take the bus, I was like, I can just pick him up. He lives 45 minutes away from me. So I pick up this random stranger, and John is this real soul But his life is like the complete opposite of mine. He was like at the time, like living with friends who were fixing up their house. So he was just camping out in the backyard in this tent and he just loved it and was like owns a flip phone. (laughs) Like, I mean, he is just like so funny. But so we had like the only thing I knew about him was his name and some of the bio from the prep work we'd done. So I'm just like, I'm about to get in a car with this random man who could be a serial killer, I don't know, to drive 15 (laughs) hours to Chicago overnight because I picked him up at like 8 p.m. And we just like, so by the time I go, we just ended up bonding super well. And by the time I got there, I felt like I had this lifeline because I was nervous about like, oh my gosh what if all these views just clash and people don't like each other? Mm -hmm. But like, I I had like the safety net built into him being there. And so that was sweet. And then just as the weekend kept progressing and like the questions, the questions and talks get a little bit more intense. We're like, okay, how's this going to go? But like with being in the same room with them, because there was someone at my OTL who, I mean, I know, oh, that girl did not like me just because I <laughs> But I get it because I was theologically coming down probably harder than I would now about certain things. But even then, by the end of it, we still happened to, we found this like, connect, yeah, she didn't like me when we started. But by the end of it, we've managed to find this like common ground of a base level of friendship And interaction. And Mm. so we'll text every once in a while, either in our group or just even outside of the group or Facebook. But I was like, when I went into that weekend, I had not thought that kind of friendship would be possible. Mm. Which was odd because I have progressive friends, like we were saying, right? Or whatever. But I'd never have to like sit in a deep weekend theological conversation with them and vice versa. And like Chris was saying, and see them as more than just this... Label of like you're either progressive or liberal, this, but like no, you are a deeply nuanced person. So yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you know, you were uh you, you, Henry and Grant, you were teasing Josh about using the the, the expression "gone through" like it was an ordeal. <laughs> but honestly, I, it, it's not an easy thing to go through. No, it it it, it isn't. It's not. It's it is. It is an undertaking, and it mm-hmm. requires a lot of participants. And you know, I always say the group that applies for an OTL weekend uh, is a self-selecting group of people who are willing to walk towards a weekend of discomfort mm, yeah. because there is a lot of discomfort and a lot of us spend a lot of time avoiding
0: yeah. discomfort yeah. at all costs. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, no, I, I know for my situation, it was like especially crazy because literally as I walked into the Oriented to Love situation, I had a family emergency happen. Like literally as I was walking in the doors and I remember going, I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with both of these. And I was so afraid that it was gonna make me just like snap at people throughout the weekend. (laughs) But I think, oh, I was so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna become the biggest bitch of this (laughs) week. And I think one of the most beautiful things that happened was the ways that people from everyone in the group really came around as I just shared at the beginning. I was like, I'm just letting you all know. I just got this news. I'm processing this news. And it was really sweet to see how people just really came around and continually um, connected and cared for me, even in the midst of us having these really deep conversations. And um, I think that there was something beautiful, beautiful, beautiful about that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah uh henry were you gonna say something i feel like i kind of cut you off.
2: uh i forgot um okay all right but yeah no so we were in chicago for mine and so like i had greg webb and daniel stark around and so like i got to like at least like even though the weekend was intense i'd be like at night i could like debrief or process with like Mm -hmm. people who weren't (laughs) in the building which that also helped too
0: yeah yeah yeah, for sure so kind of to start a little of this conversation Chris, I'd love for you to speak into, as you've gone through these dialogues, because now you're in, what did you say, 23? 29. 29. 29. 29 of them. What are some of the things you have found that have been like the biggest barriers that keep people from forming or maintaining relationships across ideological, you know, spectrums?
1: Well, we just mentioned the one which is fear of discomfort, mm-hmm. or I, I want to say sometimes it's fear. Just fear yeah. uh, but I think a lot of it is is discomfort because we all know that people are out there and people are even in here right in our own families that we disagree mm-hmm. yes. with um, anyone who's been who's lived in family or community or been part of a church knows that disagreement is they they, they understand right disagreement is a part of life. Um, But there's something about some of these more core issues that are so intensely personal to people, which I think our sexuality, our gender and our faith Mm. all meet that criteria, (laughs) intensely personal, intensely intimate, Um, that we somehow feel threatened when others hold different views. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of barriers, I guess if I back up a minute. I think one of the biggest barriers is feeling like the most important thing is to get this right, mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. find the right doctrine or the right theology. When in fact, I believe that the greatest, that the most important thing is to trust God, <laughs> is to is to um, mm-hmm. and be in and be in conversation, be in dialogue with God, uh, and mm-hmm. oneself and one's community. Yeah, but. When we are stressing on getting things right, then we don't have a lot of energy or uh, patience or compassion for those who come to different conclusions than we do. And honestly, we don't have a lot of patience or compassion even for ourselves. Mm. We just... Focus on getting things right, as opposed to looking at life like this is a process. We are discovering who we are as we go. We are inviting God into this conversation. Let's invite more people into the conversation and let's consider all possibilities. Let's ask hard questions. Let's ask what if questions. What if this is true? Then what? What if that is true? Then what follows from that? And just stretching our legs and getting excited about being in a conversation as opposed to feeling like I have a little checklist here and I just want to make sure I get it all right. Because if I get something wrong, I'm somehow in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it might have, I'm, no, I'm not, a theologian and I'm also not a church historian, but I feel like somewhere along the way, <laughs> uh, especially evangelicalism, right. Sort of lost touch with um, mystery
3: mm.
1: and, and the real requirements of community which is to hold our truth with an open hand it doesn't require us to give up our convictions or how we understand to be the truth what we understand to be the truth but it does require us to hold these things with an open hand so that we can connect with other people yeah for sure
2: yeah i think that's good especially because whenever we're in these places of like Kristen was saying we don't really want to have our thoughts or beliefs questioned because I think we have this sphere of, like, well, what if, like, I listen to someone else, and then my mind changes, and it's like, well, then that's a great thing if you learn. But, like, we're almost, like, afraid to, like, be challenged because, like, the change would be uncomfortable if, like, something we long held or believed turned out to be, oh, well, maybe that's not everything yeah. that I thought or knew. So, yeah. I found yeah. that interesting.
0: I think, like, along those lines, Henry, like, is... I think that when we we are a fear, especially of having relationships with people across ideological spectrums, many times that fear can be, if I see this person as human, will that automatically change my beliefs? Like if I Mm -hmm. see this person as more than the spectrum, this fear that that somehow is going to change, like I can't see people that disagree with me as as people Mm -hmm. um, and still believe that they're wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. and, and understand that Mm. things led them to their conclusions because like I have very dear friends in my life that we completely like even take the sexuality conversation on it they're not christian like they 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 do not hold anything of christian beliefs they do not even use that term to describe themselves mm-hmm. and it's so funny because we're so close that many times people are like oh your your differences are not important I'm like oh no we I legitimately think he's wrong and he thinks I'm wrong yeah. and we will tell yeah. that to each other <laughs> it, yeah. it literally does not change the fact that we think the other is wrong but I would go to bat on anyone who went after him, you know, because I know the amazing person that he is and what has yeah. led him to where he's at.
2: I mean, that to me is almost like on one hand, to me, it's almost easy to have those conversations and relationships with non-believers versus believers who believe mm. different things on that spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like that tension isn't there. Yeah, and, I mean, I enjoy non-believers more than believers, for the most part, anyways. Lately, but, um, <laughs> that's another topic. So.
0: Yeah, well, I honestly would say I kind of fall into that sometimes. Is like I find that I struggle sometimes more with engaging with other Christians. Mm-hmm. That and and there might be something of that says about myself, but yeah. also falling into mm-hmm. that connecting. Well, no, I'm just saying is that. It could be a lot of different things in yeah. that, but um, I I relate to that.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I do think that, Kristen, you touched on something, um, something about evangelicalism. Um, I mean, this is true to a certain extent of all Christian traditions. And as one who grew up evangelical and had a mostly positive experience, I, I'm not trying to trash evangelicalism at all. But in my experiences of um, like living as living in the evangelical tradition, there's a way in which I was like encouraged to feel to to brace myself against people who believed differently, to like like my my own moral fortitude may have been judged by how strongly I reacted against what. I was taught was error um and it, it feels so ingrained how do you how do you help people to deal with that kind of like survival instinct that it feels so natural and like it feels like an evolutionary response like we've been when been um confronted with a threat, and we just have to like get bigger <laughs> and like i don't know seem really yeah strong and steel and you know, how, how do you, how do you process through that? How do you help people process through that instinct?
1: Hmm. Well, I think, I think a, a helpful first step is just to recognize that, um, Th- there are real threats right they're all re- there are real risks mm. you know henry you were saying what if i if i change my mind when you change your mm. mind there are consequences yeah yes and sometimes those consequences mm. for people in the faith world is losing their job yeah and sometimes mm. the consequences is you know your family re- rejects you mm. um and that could be that could be from both sides right that can be yeah. from the um, the the very liberal or the very conservative right whatever whatever it is mm. There are friendships at risk. Mm-hmm. There are relationships. There are jobs. There are, um, sometimes it's, if a, if a young person, for example, who's dependent on his parents, it can mean the, it can be, make the difference between having a roof over their heads and, or finishing their studies, yeah. you know? So there are real risks to, to changing our minds, depending on who we're relating with. If everybody is, <laughs> is sort of willing to take that risk together, then it's different, yeah. but that's almost never the cost, uh, the, the case, sorry. Um, so I think just starting out by acknowledging that the risks are real is is, is helpful. Um, I, I find that uh, I spend a lot of time when I'm prepping groups for the dialogue, just sort of front-loading all of these emotions, right? Uh, you know, I know that some of you are feeling afraid. I know that some of you are feeling really anxious right now. Um, so... And, and when I'm feeling afraid or anxious, I usually just announce it like in a public setting. I usually start by confessing whatever I'm feeling and that discharges a lot of a lot of uh, that that anxiety. But um, I can't remember what your question was, Chris. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. how, how, how do you help people like overcome or, or process through a, a fight or flight or freeze instinct? Right.
1: Right. Well, in the context of, uh, the dialogue, which is the thing I have the most experience with, but I think this, I think this applies broadly. I would say practicing radical hospitality, which means that you care for people. You are, when they are expressing their anxiety to you or you see what they're going through, you just care for them. You say, I see you, I hear you. This looks really hard. A lot of compassion, a lot of empathy. How can I help? Um, and whatever you're going through, it's okay. I'm here for you. Mm. And we, we need to do that for ourselves too. And, and part of that is finding people who will who will treat us with that kind of compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you're in that, when you're in lizard brain, I think they call it, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you you can't. You can't make good decisions. You can't remain open to other people. You can't take risks. Yeah. Um, so I think we just really need to make sure we have people around us who are we can process with, Henry, you said that while you were at the dialogue, you had outside people to process with. Mm-hmm. That's enormous. One of the exercises leading up to the dialogue is to build your own prayer team, right? So there are people out there who are specifically praying for you in this mm-hmm. conflictual situation. You know they're there. You know you can turn to them if you need them. All of that is really valuable.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's
0: so good. That's really, that's a really good point. Cause I, I know like for me, a few times when I've, been in like you know as a side b person specifically like entering more dominantly side a you know spaces maybe a qcf conference or something like that it has intentionally been important to go with other side b people that in those moments when i'm like i'm just overloaded by having these conversations constantly that i need to retreat and be with people that i don't have to have this intense you know gap of you know such you know difference in this moment about because our minds can only take so much at times you know and also when we're talking about friends it's not like we have to be talking about our differences constantly either but uh, like when we're talking about like deep close friends and stuff but even like when I have found myself in those kind of spaces where I'm like okay I'm I'm a minority in this context right now great to be here also need to step away for a second (laughs) And find support mm-hmm. among people like myself in order to then have the energy to come back and enter these really difficult situations mm-hmm. and contexts and things like that yeah. as well.
1: And I'll also say that it's good to remember that if um, if I'm feeling threatened by you, you are also probably feeling threatened by me. <laughs> mm. I am the source of discomfort for you as much as you are a source of yeah. discomfort for me across yeah. deep difference. And I know if you guys will probably remember that one of the exercises we do before a dialogue is to pick somebody in the group who most ups your anxiety level and then to pray for that person. You don't tell them, yeah. you just start praying for them. And yeah. somebody was just sharing <laughs> with me that they, they loved that exercise. Oh, it was really easy for them to pick somebody who, you know, upped their anxiety level or they felt as, you know, or just bothered them or got their hackles up, whatever. And but it didn't occur to him until afterwards that someone had all had all had had picked him to pray for, and he was like, "Oh (laughs) wow, I'm also the source of somebody's irritation." Uh, So I think just normalizing that, and that is already a point of of common ground, right?
3: Yeah, between folks across deep difference. Oh, that's so good. I think um, holding someone in prayer is a kind of intimacy with them. You know, Mm -hmm. like that you're you're contemplating them in God and you're both in God. Ah, oh, that's just so good. I'm to have oh, to start doing because yeah. lots of people make, we just, <laughs>
0: <okay>. <laughs> we just had a really good episode with Wes Hill and John Stark, specifically on prayer. Mm. And I, I love how that kind of builds on that idea of oh. like, when we're in this intimate moment of God and we're bringing, praying specifically for another person, like, you can't not see the image of God in someone in that moment. Mm. You can't, like, not do so in that, or at least, you know, if your heart is in the right place in that in that way. But, like, yeah, being able to hold someone in prayer, that's a really, really, really great point.
1: There's some really powerful... Um I guess they're—I would call them visualization meditations, where you you visualize bringing that person into the presence of Christ, and you are observing them in the room with Christ. There's mm. some really beautiful uh, meditations mm-hmm. that you can do, uh, and then the other thing that we do is—I don't just tell people like pray for that person. The the questions are: How can I be of service to this person? How can mm. I? How can I pray for this person, Lord? Yeah. How can I be a part of them realizing their hopes at the dialogue? Mm. How can I be a servant in prayer to them? So it's like you're mm. really entering in. It's not just like, oh Lord, you know, bless them or <laughs> bless uh, their help heart. them not to bother me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bless their hearts. Or you pray it's for like- going,
0: bless them, help them know that they are wrong. No. <laughs>
2: okay. yeah. Yeah. Reveal the, the truth. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No,
0: yeah. Like entering with a hum, like, uh humility within it of like how yeah. can i be of service in this not just how um you know in like praying from a place of service rather than power mm. in this kind of mm. thing. praying
1: for others as you would like them to pray for you oh
0: mm. right yes
1: Woo.
3: ooh that's that's oh,
0: double gosh.
3: scripture that's double
1: okay, <laughs> scripture
0: come on that lord's is, prayer I'm and just... okay
2: wow yeah <laughs> she's on it
0: yes um Yeah, I'm trying to think of where, like, I I just think there's so much power in that that can help us because I I, I feel like in this point in time, take away even the sexuality conversation, it's so difficult to not find someone that you're in relationship with across ideological, you know, spectrums. It's so difficult not to point to one where I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no, like, major point of disagreement. Obviously, there are. And I think that when we find ourselves in this constant thing of, wow, there's all these people that I hold dear, but yet we share all of these very different divides Mm -hmm. in them. I mean, that comes from family it comes from major friends from church. Like I go to a church where there's a wide spectrum of belief on, on sexuality and gender and just being like, these are the people I go to church with. And yet and we're supposed to be a faith, you know, family. And yet we hold all of these differences um, and how to be able to have that resilience, you know, as we're talking about that resilience of uh, uh, the season, we're talking about that, but how to have this resilience, both in my own emotional life, as well as my relationships, um, as well as my faith, you know, to understand that God is carrying me through this in the midst of um uncertainty and going back to kristen what you talked about with that mystery of understanding i i don't have to have all of the answers i don't have to have everyone else have all of the answers either um to still have the foundation of truth being founded in god mm-hmm. and certainty founded in god even in the midst of mystery um mm-hmm. i yeah i feel like that goes back even i'm calling back all of these different episodes we've done this season like the one on doubt and deconstruction that you a uh, grant you did with Becca and Johanna Marie Williams mm. that was so good of this being able to have certainty in God even in the midst of uncertainty yeah. both but I think that applies even when we're in these relationships across spectrums for sure that wasn't necessarily a question but just <laughs> me processing what we've shared so far um in in all of this um, we've surprisingly gotten to a lot of the questions that I had written up for this time, yeah. except for the one at the end. Henry and Grant, do any questions initially come up for you in this?
3: Yes. Uh,
2: okay, Grant. Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: first. you you can go first, Henry.
2: Okay. Um, I. And this is okay. Because um, well no Say it. I asked no because I asked Greg Webb this a lot. Um, we talked about it before because he has very, very, very close side A friends. Yes. And I have, like, I just went to lunch with a dear friend of mine today um, for our birthdays. And uh, he owns a venue in Fort Worth that I do a lot of work at. And so um, he mentioned a while back to me that an affirming church was meeting there. And like, we've talked about my faith. It's not like a big part of what we talk about, but he certainly knows my faith in my life and uh, he's jewish but he's like i host an affirming church twice a month here and i'm like okay and he invited me like a couple months ago and i was like um that's just not my cup of tea but like and then i happened to be out of town so i kind of got away with that and then so he mentioned at lunch today he's like i think they're meeting this evening you should go and then i was just like i don't attend affirming churches like i mean i don't mind visiting one but like Mm -hmm. I don't want to step in that conversation. And then like cause tension that once they ask me what my thoughts are, then I immediately like yeah. land into that. Like, yeah. And so I was like, mm, I'd rather just avoid that kind of thing. And then he's like, so what do you think about affirming churches? Do you think that they're living in sin and those people are living in sin? Uh, oh you know, no. I'm like, I'm not, I'm this one, I was I'm just trying to drink. <laughs> and I was just trying to drink my miso soup. Okay, And I'm, just, <laughs> and I'm like, I did not want to have this conversation at lunch. Certainly did not prepare to have it today. But then I guess my long-winded way of asking that is like, my friend asks, um, he's like, do you? And he's like, do you think that they're living in sin or do you think that you're living in sin? And I was like, well, if I had a sex life, I'd maybe consider that, but I don't. So, but um, like he asked it that way. And I was like, why is that where we're going? But he's just like, then he's like, are you a red letter Christian? And I was just like- I was like, literally, I was not expecting that conversation. But um, obviously, he is not a theologically conservative person. But at the end of the, like, at that lunch, my friend and I have this conversation. One person, I can't, you can't get away from the fact that, like, one person inherently believes that somebody's wrong and somebody's right. And Greg does that well with his friends but I'm just like it's so I mean it goes back to that it's so uncomfortable thing because it's like mm-hmm. you don't want to through your life juxtapose against theirs you're telling someone you think they're wrong and so how do you reconcile that or any just thoughts on my very long winded question that was an overstatement I you
3: guess. can tell that a lot of these I, questions flow out of our experiences trying to navigate <laughs> this ourselves <laughs>
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's why this episode I So, think, like, is just I have like, a
3: friend who. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and before and you like, answer, Krista, go ahead. No, I was like, well, this just happened three hours ago. I was like, well, if nothing, this is great material for this podcast today. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and to add on to that before you, before you talk, Kristen, is um, I I was thinking about this. I think with these kinds of situations, it's also not always a fear of or discomfort of what happens if my mind changes, but also sometimes a thing of like, what if in order to be in relationship with this person, I have to like not hold my belief as strongly kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes there's this thing of, um, like, for instance, for me, like, Many times because of the amount of side A or non-Christian queer people in my life, many times some people locally for me will think that my traditional belief is not very important to me. Yes. I'm like, oh, no, it's very important to me. Yes. It's literally like how I embody my existence of faith through celibacy and stuff. It's still very important to me. But people will interpret my relationships in that as like, oh, well, you don't really see that as that's not important to you. I'm like, no, it's still very important but I can understand why people would feel like that. Anyway, just to kind of build I mean, that. and
2: I feel that way. I mean, this relationships that I do have, to just be candid, that I'm just like, my faith probably might seem downplayed around them. Just because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to have a cordial of friendship or anything with this person, I can't be as intense as I normally would be. Oh, people can't see me doing quotation marks. But anyways, air quote. <laughs> but, um, so that's, when I said intense, that's what I did. Um. But yeah, so yeah. So now we just asked you a three part question. <laughs> we just asked
0: you like a three part question.
1: <laughs> I will just respond with the thoughts that are in my head right now. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. Go ahead. Um, I remember years ago uh my my brother telling me that he says, I refuse to answer questions when people say, So do you think that uh, you know, babies uh in, in China who have never heard about Jesus are going to hell? you know, that kind of, those kinds of questions, which are really Mm -hmm. trap questions. They're not, they're not questions that are Uh looking for deeper understanding. They're sort of global, they want global quick, you know, categories. And he really impressed me with his comeback. And he's like, you know what? I am not, I'm not a baby in China who hasn't heard about Jesus, but I'm happy to talk to you about who Jesus is to me. So that was like a witnessing question, right? And so when, when you're, Lunchmate Henry says to you, So do you think that those people are living in sin? You know, the real question is this, this, and this will, this is a great, (laughs) a great segue to my deepest passion, which is questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great questions, open ended, compassionately curious questions, which I think are the answer to the world's problems. I think, Mm -hmm. Um, is the real question would be, Henry, what does it mean to you to live into celibacy? What does it mean to you? What does, what does your uh, understanding of what God is calling to you sexually mean to you? Now, that's a beautiful question that you might be willing, maybe not at lunch. It depends on how much time you have or whatever. <laughs> Can I finish my <laughs> miso <that's> soup? A,
0: <laughs> and how many? Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but that's an invitation, right? That's a beautiful, uh-huh. that's, a, that's an open door that you want to go into and explore mm-hmm. this whole other land that he's inviting you into. Um, but people do not know, uh, this is a global statement. of the people that I meet do not know how to ask that kind of question. And I'm Mm -hmm. starting to think that it might be an act of kindness on our parts to say something along the lines, you know, that question that you just asked, it doesn't get my juices flowing. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. I really can't speak to that. But if you were to ask me this and you actually give them the gift of modeling a great question, now that's a question I'd be interested in answering. And I'd yeah. really, you know, I'd love to spend some time. So that's actually, it's not, you're not saying that's a stupid question, but you're offering a better question. Yeah. And then they can say, well, I'm not interested in hearing that question. And that may be the case and end yeah. of conversation. <laughs> but you know what? You're not interested in answering that first question. Yes. And you have the right to not go there. I we are not obligated direct. to answer the questions that people ask us, but it is a gift when we craft a beautiful question and and put it on the table. Mm.
3: That's so good. Um, That's good.
0: I 100% agree with you that so many of the world's problems would be solved by being able to ask honoring questions, being able to intrigue. Like it's been a practice I've been trying to do more of of when I find someone that makes me uncomfortable, initiating with questions about their life and asking Mm. questions to maybe understand a little bit more of Mm. what led them to where they're at you know, like what has brought them to the context that they find themselves in or the belief that they hold and all of these things, rather than jumping to what I would assume has led them there or what, you know, or I might even know it, but um, I have, I have been learning that as well in such really big ways and have found so many, like so much power in questions, especially Mm -hmm. good honoring questions as you said, Kristen, that's, so so that's
2: really great. I love that.
1: Something new, a new thought that I've sort of added to my, my thinking around questions is um, we should ask questions that we would also be willing to answer. Mm. Cause I think a lot of times our questions are, um, can be prying or, mm. um, I mean, a question that you're not really willing to engage with is just exploitative, you know, yeah. it's, uh, Ugh, so, it's good. you know, what I, am I willing to go there with my story? Am I, am I willing to, you know offer that back to this person if he or she or they decide to re- reverse the direction
2: yeah um, so
1: i think that's just really important yeah we were so talking good. about
2: that this morning uh when we were interviewing someone else and it's like when people want to come up to you about your sex life or your faith or your theological positions and ask you inappropriate questions it's like oh i'll turn one around i'll turn one around back and ask you one and like if you're gonna to willing to go there i will like i have a mm-hmm. friend like whenever pastors are like So we want to know like what is how are you gonna steward your sex and he'll like your sex life and he'll turn around and ask the pastor, Great, I'll answer that if we can talk about how you're stewarding your sex life. And it's just always like you see what the person's intention were, if they'll go there with you, or if they're just like, I never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Yes. I've gotten that when I've redirected, I've gotten that a couple of times.
3: That's that is true. That is telling.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm so glad you talked about that, Kristen, because that's a really important point because yeah. we can ask open-ended questions, things that we think are honoring, but then it can be something of like, why we would exactly, we would not want to answer that about our own life. So why yeah. would we yeah. do that? Um, I've I've gotten questions like that so often about my own chosen family where people are asking stuff. I'm like, would you ask this to anyone else in any other context? Mm-hmm. I cannot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And having to ask that to myself when I ask questions.
3: Um, Were you going to say something, Kristen?
1: Well, I was going to ask if um, I actually have a question for you.
3: I was going to leave space for that. 100%. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Well, so I have a, a huge soft spot. I don't know if that's the right term, but a care, a concern specifically for side B queer folks, Mm -hmm. and because I work with some side B queer folks in every group, um, and I feel that I've noticed that (laughs) over the years that, um, I think you folks bear the, 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 the greatest brunt of, of, of the weight of the conversation, And I understand why that is. I I understand how you're sort of a unicorn, no matter where, no matter where, who's looking at you, right? Mm -hmm. And you just take heat from both sides. I mean, the Revoice, the launch of Revoice was, you know, a a case study of that, right? Um, Yeah. So I'm so glad that you all have space at Revoice uh, where you can be in community and and share that without a lot of (laughs) outside voices. But in the context of the dialogue, I'm always looking to make sure that the side be queer folks are being supported in the way that Mm -hmm. they deserve to be, that you deserve to be. Now, I don't know what your individual experiences were like at the dialogue, but I do sometimes hear from people that it feels less safe there for, for them as side Mm be queer Christians. And of course, my greatest desire is for that, for you all to be held as much as Mm -hmm. um, if not more so, because I sometimes see the need to be greater um than than the rest of the group so i'd love to hear um ways that you maybe you didn't feel safe ways we or maybe with just ways that we can improve the dialogue that would take that into account if my premise is resonates with you
2: hmm. mm.
0: josh, oh gosh really
2: like a what'd you say henry i just said josh i was volunteering <laughs> you to go first oh you're volunteering <laughs> me okay yeah.
0: cool um yeah, I would say that overall, I would say especially from you, um, from Darren Calhoun, who was the other—I um, can't remember his title in the com- in the conversation. Spiritual companion, spiritual companion. Um, I felt very—I um, would say I definitely felt very cared for. It. I felt like there was intentionality in that. Yeah. Um, I definitely would say I had a few times where I felt, um. A little nervous to to share my thought. Um, I don't think that came from you or from Darren, but just it was many. There were sometimes where everyone was talking and kind of agreeing about something, for instance, maybe about the Bible or something. And I'm like, I really don't agree, but it feels like everyone else agrees and i think on top of that just because i was dealing with the family emotional stuff i was like i don't have the energy to be the only one who you know doesn't Mm -hmm. agree Mm -hmm. um so i kind of more stayed quiet um i I would be very intrigued to know like if i hadn't had the family kind of stuff going on would i have spoken up would i have like you know shared my thought in that moment Mm -hmm. um But I think that naturally comes, you know, sometimes when people start sharing a thought, you know, other people build on it. And then when you have a lot of people sharing it, if you disagree, you're just I I don't think that that was anything about oriented to love. I, yeah, I I would say in my place, in my certain context, I think that that was that I felt supported. But I think something that maybe helped me that I would say maybe doesn't help a lot. Most site B people is like my church does I've talked about it before in the podcast story groups, which is a very oriented to love dialogue formatted thing, not on sexuality, but um, like we, one person shares a story and everyone just has to listen, not fix and all of that. So I think that maybe the context of my church helped prepare me for an oriented to love conversation that I think that a lot of maybe side B people don't have in their everyday Mm. um, life to also be prepared for that kind of context in, in a way.
2: Uh,
0: But um, the last thing I will say, well, I'll give you all a little one, one, one last thing. I think that maybe another reason why those kind of contexts can be really hard for side B people is I think that many times um, one of the things that helps going into those contexts is normally you're coming from that, into that context and Grant and Henry, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I think that, those kind of contexts where you're with people that disagree those can be a lot better when you're coming from like in your general life you're around people that agree with you like affirming people generally live or can exist around other affirming people generally um not always uh, and more conservative oh, street people so it like exists around other people that agree with them side b people rarely do we rarely exist in We're our everyday life out. around That's people so that true. support. That is good. That like you can at least know, hey, I'm going into this. I'm going into this dialogue, but tomorrow I'm going home to people that like are my safe net that agree with me. I would say majority of side B people I know do not exist in that realm. They exist yeah. in spaces where they're already disagreeing, um, where they're already not supported by their local community. Um, yeah. so I think it can add the tension on what is already in their local context, which from my experience with affirming people going into it or conservative straight people that go into it, they get to go back home to people that already 100% agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say in my experience, that's another where, where I just, I'm very different from site people because I, I do have a supporting local community. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those are yeah. my thoughts. Yeah. I like that.
3: I wonder too. Like, I I also had a similar experience in, in that I felt I felt very supported, and I felt um, as safe as one could feel <laughs> in uh, a space where you're talking about really uh, controversial topics held close to the chest. Um. But something, something that I'm thinking about now is like a lot of side B people are always in environments where they're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like in their churches, in our churches, oftentimes there's like this tension, like, do people really know me on the one hand? Or do people disagree with me? Or do people want um, to ask me invasive questions, you know, that sort of thing. And then in our relationships with Um, with people who believe differently than us, side A people, there's this tension, like, I love you so much. We disagree on something so profound. We know we bear in our, in our, ourselves, the, the tension that that is. And so I think for me, I wanted to come into the dialogue and I, I already feel uncomfortable all the time. So like, I'm, I'm already uncomfortable. I wanted to make sure that that tension wasn't too quickly resolved. Like I was afraid, I think I was afraid that in, in having a conversation like the group might settle too quickly on a sort of um, a simple solution. That's like everyone believes, believes differently, but we're all fine sort of thing. But, i i I wanted i wanted people to take that tension seriously and so i think that was Mm -hmm. what i was most concerned about in the group so when there were moments where it was like oh yeah we can all believe these different things and like and it it just felt too simple i was like no but this but this tears me up inside don't you like this is this has torn me up inside my entire life (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. I I recently had a conversation with one of my friends who's side A now used to be side B. Um, two different conversations where we confessed professed our undying love for each other and also our, our deep conviction that the other is dead wrong on, on something. And like we don't know how to deal with that. We're just gonna keep going forward and we love each other, but like I don't wanna blur over that tension and just say everything is fine. <laughs> Cause like, mm, yeah. I have, a, I have this tension that I, I keep with me everywhere. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm, I just sort of rambling yeah.
0: now.
1: No. Yeah. I it's think... a tension that your entire life embodies. So it's a yeah. serious thing.
3: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Cause I, the last thing I'll connect to what you said, Grant, is I, when you even talk about the church aspect, there's one thing I really adamantly believe there are traditional believing churches but I still do not know, maybe locally there are some, but there are not many side B churches in the sense of churches that hold to a traditional view and thr- and like yeah. still allow for the thriving of queer people, which I always tell churches, you are not side B because you hold to a traditional view on marriage. You are side B when you can hold the tension of allowing for queer people to thrive in that. And so I think because of that, it's so hard for some yeah. people to find a church where they can just exist. But anyway, well, that's, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. holding to that tension.
3: That's another thing too, is like sometimes dialogues, um, like one of the, the ways that we're split up is we get to, to connect with people who who like have the same theological perspective as us. But I do not necessarily feel safe in those places. like. <laughs>
2: That I mean, part. Okay. <laughs> this we might believe the same thing, but that's where this uh, starts to end. Okay? I mean,
3: like, mm-hmm. I, I'm fine. I can handle it. Like, everyone's there because they want to have this conversation. But, like, just because I... Yeah. Just because for all... Like, all of us share the belief that same-sex sex is off the table does not mean yeah. that we agree on much more than that.
2: And that part. <laughs> and if you only agree with me because as a queer person... <laughs> I am in agreement with what you think theologically and you would not like give, but if you only care about me because I happen to agree with you and you would not give the same level of care or love to a non Mm. or an affirming queer person, then no, you're not safe for me as a queer person (laughs) either. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. That was good, Grant. Okay. It's like, (laughs) that's where it starts and ends. Okay. That's where it starts and (laughs) ends. And conclusion. Okay.
3: cool but like like cool we, we we agree on one point of doctrine but like do you hate me still <laughs> like, like, just, you know, like I, I don't know where to place you still i mean i'm okay, sure none yeah. of the people hated me like my 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 otl experience um was so good like i had such a good time yeah. with everyone but yeah that's what i was thinking yeah
2: Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I was definitely talking about Christians in general, and not OTL. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I think everyone at OTL that went in generally did come in with the "I want to learn and I want to be vulnerable and I'm willing to open up myself to this." And I think for me, it was interesting where I was at that year. I was three months because I was July, so I was two months away from leaving my church of five years at the time, and. Where I'd already just had like some side well, I've been side eyeing evangelicals for about four years at that whole point in time. So, but, um, <laughs> All this talk about
3: side A, side B, but we really need to talk about side eyeing.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> side eyeing. Oh, did Henry yes. Oh
3: okay.
2: I was like, did Henry kind of uh, that, okay. was, that was good. No, that was good. <laughs> but um and so but I think I was coming from this. Like, even while I theologically believe the same things I believed four years ago, my lens of how I, or three years ago, into OTL, how I express it, how much more gentle I am with it, and how, like, much memory I hold for other people is less combative than it was at OTL. Because I think, mm-hmm. instinctively aside from people, what Kristen was saying, like, we do come in with probably, like, more to risk or whatever in these spaces or lose because that... I think it can feel like the burden is on us to like make sure that people leave that, okay, I understand where they're coming from and like we have more to prove versus like someone who isn't. And so that's what I felt. And I don't know how to mitigate that. Maybe just maybe on the front end, having some more clarity around this is not a come defend your position. Side B people, like you don't have to do this. And side A people, do not make side B people feel like they have to defend their existence and their belief versus, hey, let's just learn from them. Because that sa- I don't know if you remember, Chris, some of that Saturday when me and a fellow dialoger were just like kind of going in a back and forth. We had to take a break, y'all, before we came back to the circle. We were like, okay, let's take a break, go like take a lap around the building or whatever I did, and then come back. Um, and so I think that's what I would say was the only time that I was just, like, I feel like I am sitting here and I absolutely have to, like, defend myself to the death. And part of that could be just because of the background I was coming from. And part of that, I don't know if, like, I don't know if that was a dialogue. I wouldn't say that. But I think in that moment, I was just, like, oh, my gosh, why did I come to this? And then I was so glad I did the next day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was I would yeah I would do OTL again. That's how yeah. I always met oh, yeah, something. Sure. I'm like, would I do it again? And I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, so. yeah.
0: yeah I, I for me the hard part is is I I don't really know with the areas of where I could see um, side B people having really nervousness or discomfort with with oriented to love situations. I don't really know of a lot that could be mitigated on your end, true, Kristen? Because you guys do a lot. That's I mean, true. you really do. So much. so much like the only thing I could say say that could maybe be something to work on is I love what Grant was talking about is allowing that tension to exist, you know, being like, yeah, yeah, this tension, it's real and we can't really get around it that we disagree. Like, um, which I'm not saying that that didn't happen. Um, but I think in some ways it allows the honoringness of like first be people, the tension that we literally live in, is like being honored in the fact of like it's important the fact that we disagree. Mm-hmm. But I I really think I, I'm amazed by how much intentionality you and the team put into really making space for everyone yeah. in that dialogue.
2: I one hundred percent agree. Like boys, can y'all imagine if we went into that dialogue without all that prep and then like, oh my gosh, and that the would prep. be like being thrown into the world yes. like, if you just went in and try to have that conversation over three days oh my god that would be an nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah
0: i i do have to say i i really do encourage ZB people listening if you're interested in this do it go mm-hmm. do oriented Absolutely. to love be prepared for yeah. the prep work well I,
3: yeah i also think that ZB
1: but people... no as a good
0: as a good thing Kristen. i'm sorry yeah. just
1: one assignment a week
3: just yes, one, one I assignment.
1: brief assignment
3: <laughs> for eight weeks that's all it, yeah it was doable and i do think that sci people might be one of the kinds of people most unlikely to pursue this kind of dialogue um because mm-hmm. because yeah. it's it's really like you're going to be put in the middle of people who disagree with you for various reasons uh, yeah. <laughs> um on both sides On both sides. And I'm sure everyone feels like that. I think like for lots of reasons that feels especially acute for side B folks, but I would encourage side B people to, to, um, pursue this dialogue. And and, I mean, they can chat with some of us who've gone through it. Um, but yeah,
0: I feel that like a thing like oriented to love. Is really helpful because we're not going to, as we said, we have so many disagreements in our own lives. We can't get away from it as side B people. I feel like a very guarded, protected space, like oriented to love, actually helps build resilience for yeah. having these dialogues yeah, yeah, in many ways. Because you have people like yourself, Christian, and this kind of stuff of being able to go, how do I how do I practice that muscle mm. of talking to people that I disagree with I think for me is kind of what I wanted to get out of it. And I I do believe I did. Yeah. Um,
1: Thanks for the feedback guys. That's helpful.
0: I did have
3: um, maybe an especially tender question for you, Kristen, one that's sure. I guess one that's close to my heart and I think, there's so much, honestly, there's a lot of pain behind it. Um, And I know that you're a very safe person. And so I feel um, totally comfortable asking, but when I'm thinking about like some of the pain in relationships across ideological lines that side B people go through uh, happens when either we have close friends who, who change their mind close side B friends who changed their mind. Sometimes it feels like side B uh, can be a bit of a thoroughfare instead of a destination. Like people, Mm -hmm. people come here to go somewhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be clear, like people come to side B to get more conservative and to get more progressive. Um, I've, I've seen both. Mm -hmm. Um but so we have we have close friends who are formerly side B and who are in a different place now. Um but maybe even specifically the most pain that I've experienced in uh relationships across ideological lines is those who have gotten more conservative, <laughs> um who have left left uh side side B spaces and felt um like be- become less open to the possibility of identifying with queer culture or you know like things like that and in yeah. those situations it can sometimes feel like um the obstacles are just insurmountable and relationship mm. is impossible um or the, the pain is just so much in every conversation it can be i'm, I'm lucky to have a lot of friends and different ideological places than me where there's not that tension all the time and I love them and it's easy, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's sort of unformed But when obstacles seem insurmountable, when relationship with another person seems just impossible because there's too much pain. Um, what advice do you have? What is, is there a moment where you have to stop, um, Is, like, how do you manage distance? Um, Are there levels of relationship that are open Mm. to you? You know, like, that sort of thing. (laughs) Unformed, completely unformed, but.
1: No, I hear where you're coming from, and I think that um, it's a great question. I think that whether we think they exist or not, we d- there are different levels of relationship that we have, right? Mm-hmm. There's the people that we break our daily bread with, and there's the people that we get a Christmas card from, right? And uh, I think that the pain is when one relationship shifts to to a lesser, you know, to an mm-hmm. outer moves to an outer circle. Yeah. Um, but I think part of loving people well is being willing to let them go, uh, mm. and. A lot of relationships, you just notice over time, oh, wow, we don't get together like we used to. Who's who's responsible for that? Have they been calling me and I've been blocking their calls or ignoring them? Have I have I dropped the ball? Have they dropped the ball? Was it a mutual thing? Um, and I think if we're really a relationally driven person, I, I'm relationally driven, um, sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves and say, oh, I have to keep up every relationship. And that's it's mm-hmm. not really realistic. I think, I guess my theory is that relationships tend to sort of Find their place. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking of a wheel, but um, or wheels within wheels, right? Isn't that like a revelation? another
3: biblical reference? Image. Look at <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> Look,
1: at
3: me. Look at this. Um,
1: and you know, sometimes those relationships will will skip and move in or out, and but I think being willing to let a relationship be what it is. You, you can't force it to be something that it isn't. You can't force a level of comfort or a desire. Like I should want to see Bob, mm-hmm. you know, every weekend. Well, you know what? I don't. And I'm really yeah. having a great time with Sue and John. You know, it's like we, we, we tend to sometimes want to control our relationships and our feelings. So I think it's fine to give space mm-hmm. to relationships. And I just think it's a reality. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I I have a friend who always, she says, I move towards relationship to the extent that people want it. And you can't over, you can't want more than they want, you know? So if if it's causing a high level of discomfort, I think having a conversation about it and just being Mm -hmm. vulnerable and saying, I miss you. Uh, but it's too painful for me to be in this and just, Mm. you might, you might reach a whole nother level of conversation if you're willing to take that risk of vulnerability and saying, this is how this feels to me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I feel abandoned
1: or I feel that I'm abandoning you. I,
3: um,
1: I love you, but I mean, I have relationships like this right now in my life. Like, wow, you have become so distant to me that I'm, I'm like, there's no, we've lost a previous intimacy. And so I'm actually bored with you. Like (laughs) that's that's a really hard thing to say. And I have not said that yet in this relation, this one relationship that I'm thinking of Um, or just, you know, let's have a coffee date. And I think I'm going to say that. And then there's something else is re-sparked because, you know, they offer me some level of intimacy and vulnerability. I'm like, oh, there we're we're back again. So I think relationships are in flux. That's I guess that's the short way of putting it. And we shouldn't. Mm try to mm-hmm. control them to be something that they're not. Yeah. It's two people involved. so Yeah,
2: yeah. I and mean, Grant, good. I definitely wanted to add to that when you asked that question um, because I went through arguably outside of like losing someone like in terms of death, but the most heartbreak I went through was a couple of years ago when mm. my closest, closest, closest friend and I got to a point to where we just could not be friends anymore. We were trying and like we loved each other or not and we were just like solid brothers in christ and then like the relationship just got to this place where like it was hurting both people to continue yeah. staying but we were trying to make it work and like trying to figure out how to love each other well but like like what's the point where we're arguing and we don't even know why we're actually arguing or what's going on in this mm-hmm. dynamic anymore so finally i just have to be like and both have to be like we can't do this anymore and it was like i, and I mourned that friendship yeah and when like, Kristen was saying, leadership takes two people. It takes two to... Yeah. And so, but eventually, after some time and space, um, and we were always cordial and polite, but, like, I was like, I can't, like, to where, like, if friends were hosting a party and he was going to be there, I'd go earlier or he'd come later. Because I was like, it got to a point where, like, I couldn't even be in the same room with this person who, mm-hmm. two years before that, everybody would have told you that. You are crazy if Henry Butoh is going to walk out of a room that this person's in simply because they're in. Like, would, you would have yeah. been crazy. But it's after, I mean, a lot of work and two people walking towards each other. Like, last night was my birthday party and he was in the room. And, like, I invited him and his wife. And, like, we're not a place to worry that friendship will never probably be the intimacy it once was. But, like, it's healthy and it's thriving and growing again. And that's because it took two people. Versus, I had a similar situation with another friend, and I'm trying to meet them, meet them, meet them, meet them halfway, whatever. But they're unwilling to move, and I finally had to like mourn that friendship. Would be like, mm-hmm. and there was a piece that came with that when it was just like, I love myself more more than I and I. Well, I always say I love my peace more than I love anybody or anything else. I love my peace more than that. But um, I finally had to be like, oh, this is going to be painful. Mm-hmm. But my peace is worth more than that. Like, so, and it was, I don't yeah. know if that was encouraging or anything, but whew.
0: Well, I think that's uh, really good because I think building on both of what you guys were saying, like what you said, Henry, and what you said, Kristen, is um, that whole thing of relationships takes two people. Mm-hmm. So if we don't see the other person putting intentionality into the relationship, into all of it, and there's something that my pastor talks about that um, I'm not going to be able to say it as he does, but he talks about how there's one thing about, what we believe and really we can have a relationship with people across whatever you believe as long as you believe in the dignity of other people Mm. um you know but really i can have a relationship with people no matter what you believe but if how you believe it how you live out your beliefs is not honoring then even if i like if you can't live that belief out in an honoring way, then there's not going to be able to be a relationship. Kind of like going back to the questions, like you said, Kristen. Like if you can't also learn after a period of time of grace of how to ask those honoring questions back to me, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna fall on the wheel into another place and to a different part of life. That's something really hard for me to Learn, because I want, like you said, Kristen. I want to have a relationship with everyone. I just want to be in all of these really. I I aspire to be Henry Abudo in my life with the oh, amount Lord. of social life that this man has. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> take it; it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I I think there's something about that—not just what you believe, but how you believe it. It's mm-hmm.
1: beautiful. Yeah.
3: Very
0: so yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Kristen. Yes, thank you for having me. This was yes. so
3: good. You, you just ask such good questions, and you, you do. You provide a safe space for people to share what they actually think. I, like yeah. it's a real gift that you have, and I'm so thankful that you shared that with us today.
2: Yes, yeah. thank you.
1: Thanks for the invitation. It was lovely hanging out with you all.
0: You are a light every time I get a text or an email from you, it burns <laughs> oh, my day. Oh, I
2: know. Oh, my God. She texted me on my birthday, and it just, like, made my whole day. I was sitting there at brunch, and I was like, oh, my goodness. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah.
0: We have one more question before you go. We're yeah. asking every guest this. Um, if,
2: and you're our uh, final guest we're asking this this season, I know.
0: This so. is the final one. Yes. My goodness. If you could share a message with your younger self, you pick the age, what would you say?
1: Uh, any age, um, up until yesterday. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: <laughs> all will be well.
2: Mm. Huh. All will be well.
1: God's love is big enough to cover everything.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: My my disappointments, the things I'm wrong about, my hopes, mm. my dreams, my failures, all will be well.
2: Great, awesome, good. That's sure good, good. to
3: Yes, tell that to my That's younger true. self too. Tell Ew. that to me today. <laughs> baby <Okay>. Grant, <laughs>
1: baby Grant, all will be well.
2: <laughs> I need that right now, okay? Yeah. Well, you That's can text me that meet. every day. Yeah, <laughs> That's a
0: great note as we get ready to close out the season. Um, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. And everyone listening, if you're going to be at Revoice, we can't wait to share our at our
2: live episode with you all. Um, and I'll be a to Revoice
1: it. too. I can't wait to yes. see everybody. Talk to her
2: about OTL. Talk to Kristen Do about it OTL. Yes. If she doesn't please. leave with
3: a list 10s, 10s deep of sidebeat people she can call upon <laughs> for these <laughs> <Yes>. OTL recordings. <laughs> she's she's got Seriously.
0: Got Truly. Please, are listening. Fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, please please talk to Kristen about um doing an oriented to love dialogue you will not regret it yeah absolutely all right thanks everyone and we will talk to you soon